Hi there, and welcome back to I Hadn't Considered That. I am your host, Vanessa Tori. You guys are in for such a treat today. I'm so excited to bring this episode to you. My guest today is Gianna Biscantini, and I found Gianna through my Amazon upcoming release list, which is where I love to look and see if I can find any amazing new books and content that's coming out that I can just devour. And I was immediately struck by the title of her book because her book is called Fuckless. And if that doesn't resonate with me, I don't know what does. And so I immediately grabbed the book, Add to Cart Moment, and it came two days later because Amazon Prime, do we love? Yes, we love. And I devoured that book in two days. I loved it. It is full of so much insight. And so I felt compelled to reach out to Gianna to see if she was interested in coming on the podcast because I had so many questions. I wanted to delve into this book and I really thought that you guys would enjoy getting to hear some of her insight and what she has to share. And the conversation did not disappoint. She is such a charming and amazing human being and she is strong and just states truth how it needs to be stated. And it was so much fun. I want to tell you a little bit about Gianna, but I also want to let you know that the link to her book is in the show notes. And I encourage you to go and grab it right away because you will love it as much as I did. And also I am toying with the idea of having a little bit of a book club moment, maybe with the Patreon, maybe just through my author page, but I really want to get some feedback from you guys on how you enjoy the book, how you enjoy the podcast. So please be sure to check out the show notes for all the ways that we can stay connected. So Gianna Viscontini is a board certified behavior analyst who challenges women to overcome narratives and fight for their rights to live interesting and authentic lives outside of boxes created by society. Her work as a keynote speaker, lifestyle design and leadership coach and writer has gained national attention in publications such as Forbes and has reached podcast audiences in over a hundred countries. Prior to publishing Fuckless, a guide to wild unencumbered freedom, Viscontini founded the innovative employee well-being agency WorkWell. So please check out the show notes. There's going to be links to her website, to her social media, everything, because I know that you are going to absolutely love her. I hope that you enjoy today's podcast. Good morning, Gianna. I'm so happy that you are joining me here today. I have to tell you that I devoured your book in probably about two days. It was a beautiful excuse to lay by the pool and say, this is, this is important work that I am digging into over here, and therefore I need to clear my space, which involved a cocktail at the pool. So thank you for that opportunity. Awesome. Paris ball with cocktails for sure. <laughs> it absolutely does. And there's points in the book where it's like, I need a cocktail after reading <laughs> this one. So I would love for you to tell listeners a little bit about yourself and this book and how you started this journey in writing it and bringing it to us in the world. Sure. Um, well, I'm a board certified behavior analyst, which really means I can work anywhere behavior exists. Um, so I've had a really um, interesting and varied career from working with children with autism to working with celebrity corporate leaders to working with creatives and, and, and sports figures. Um, in coaching, uh, I've also developed a company called WorkWell. We're an employee well-being company. Essentially, we go in as behavior analysts, identify the stressful variables within that workspace, 
um, and then work with the companies and leaders to uh, to modify those those cultures um, from a scientific standpoint. So I really done a, did a lot um, in in a couple of decades, um, but the book really came from a journal entry. I woke up October first, um, twenty nineteen, and. It was weird because I always journal with a pen and paper, um, but I flipped open my laptop because I had so many things kind of coming to me. And I was like, my fingers are not, I need my, I need my typing fingers. My writing brain is not going to be able to catch up. And so I just started writing and uh, it was meant to be a journal entry about all the ways that women are um, held back, held down, shoved into glass boxes. Um, made to be comfortable and small and acceptable to everyone else. And um, I wrote the first five pages and I thought, I think this could be a book. And so here we are. <laughs> That's incredible. I love it. I love that it started from that such a creative space because I think that as women, we, we bust from the seams a little bit and we don't know where that should go. So I love that you found the most perfect outlet for that. And I want to talk straight out of the gate about the title because I saw the title on Amazon and immediately reading the title, I'm like, I need this book. I need this book in my life. It caught me. But one of the things that you talk about in the very beginning of the book is that even just the title was a little bit of a struggle. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about how that was received? Absolutely. Um, you know, it's funny that the book, and I say this in the book, it's funny that the book is about women and really anyone, but specifically women breaking out of these glass boxes that were put in um, to live more authentically with more freedom and, you know, that breath of fresh air and, and living this authentic life from the inside out. Um, when people, you know, I started shopping the, the manuscript around to publishers and they all loved it, but they said, you can't write a book with that title. You can't write a book called Fuckless. Um, and to be fair, I wasn't really standing behind it right out of the gates. I just okay. said, oh, okay, well, I'll change it then. You know, if, if you want it to be changed, then I'll change it. And I, I went back to the drawing board and I thought, no, that's the feeling. <laughs> fuckless is the feeling. And I, there's no other word for it. It's fuckless. And so I said, look, it is what it is. Um, and I ended up going with a hybrid publisher because while I probably could have gone the traditional publishing route and made money and, and gotten a wide, um, very wide distribution, that's not the point of the book. Um, this book, you know, I guess ends up supporting the gender intelligence um, and well-being work that I do, but it, it wasn't for that purpose. I just wanted to write this book with this title, with this content, and to change it to be more soft and more appealing um, because what women can't say fuck, like, I don't, I don't know, you know, men have published books, uh, you know, right. with, with fuck in the title. And so I really just dug my heels in. Um, and I said, absolutely not. That flies in the face of the concept of this book, which is being rooted and living from the inside out. And I just wanted to write the book that I know needed to be out there. So I ended up sticking with the title. I love it. And I even had taken notes as I was reading my book is totally highlighted. It's annotated. So much was in my brain when I was reading this. But when I saw that, the very first thing that I thought about was Mark Manson's The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Mm -hmm. And I had to sit there and think in my brain, I, I bet he did not get the pushback. No. And I, that you got. 
It's funny. I was um, banned from Instagram for um, the end of my launch week and to the following week, which was my, my main portal to publicize the book. Um, and I went to his Instagram and I looked around and, and I thought, God, he's got, you know, hundred thousand followers, something crazy. Um, and I looked at a lot of other, you know, there were ads for like vibrators and half naked women and, you know, porn sites. And I was like, I'm being banned from Instagram for writing a book called Plotless. Like I get it. Um, you know, I wouldn't wear it on a t-shirt out in public to like assault people's eyes with the title, but um, it's definitely not the most offensive thing uh, on the internet. And I, I really wondered if it, if it was because it came from a woman. Um, oddly enough, I put a picture of my breasts on Instagram after that with fuckless written across my stomach. Um, and while my account was being policed, they never had a problem with that. So it's been oh a really my. experience. That's a, that's a solid message that is being sent. Yeah. Not one that I like. Not one that I like. But I want to talk about some of the main themes that just came out of this for me, because I think why this resonated so strongly with me is that this is something that I have struggled with my entire life. So my background is I spent 22 years in a corporate environment in an industry that was very male-based. So many of the things that you talk about with the workplace which I think are incredibly important because not only what you're saying, but you are backing this with data. You are backing this with, with hard information because I feel like whenever I have spoken out and said, you know, there is some bullshit that happens and I'm not going to take any more because I have had things said to me in the workplace that are abominable, just horrible. And when I tell people that story, I feel like I am dismissed because mm -hmm. it's just like what we go through as women in the workplace. Like you don't expect that. Like, well, geez, like that happens all the time. Haven't you figured out how to bend yourself to not be so sensitive to these horrible things that are said to us in the workplace? I had a boss who very much like one of the, um, the women in your book, I had been killing it at work. I had a male coworker who was not. I ended up having to take on some of his work because he wasn't getting shit done. And my boss came into my office when I had absolutely killed it and said, see, this is why I like to hire middle-aged women because they really know how to get things done. And there is no world in which that's okay. And so for me, what I've been struggling with in the last couple years, especially since my divorce, is finding that voice to be okay with challenging the status quo and not caring about the perception. So for me, so much of this goes to the bravery and the courage that is required for women to hear your message and be actionable about it. So I'd love to talk a little bit about what you've learned about what it takes to overcome this and how bravery and courage keys into that. Well, you know, one of the, and I, I think that you, you say this in the intro, all of these fucks in the book, um, all of the struggles that, that women face um, and the, the messages and the narratives that are given to us have a function, right? In behavioral science, when something happens, we say, what's the function of that behavior? 
What's the reason it's sticking around? What's maintaining this? And there is a very, very strong message that is very singular here, which is women's value is in being liked. And men don't have to give a fuck about being liked. And so when I coach women, I've coached women for 10, 15 years. I've been in leadership positions in female-dominated industries for a really long time. Um, and whenever there's this issue, I, I come to the table with a solution and the women will say, yeah, but they'll get mad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I don't want to look this way. Yeah, but I don't want them to say this. And I say, so what? So what if they do? Are you that, are you that unrooted in your behavior? You know, you know the intention of your behavior. It's well-intended. It's to get shit done. It's to call out an injustice. It is to get that promotion. It is to say, this is not okay. It is to set a boundary. All of these behaviors are are well-intended and coming from this good place, but we disrupt a woman's natural behavior and natural lifestyle to say, mm, if you do that, you won't be liked. And that's a bad thing because that's your primary role in this world. And if you're not liked as a woman, it is a really big deal. And conversely, when we look at men in leadership who aren't liked, it's like, well, hey, man, he just tells it how it is. He just gets shit done. Um, and so there's this, you know, men be anything, women be liked. And so really fucklessness is liberating yourself from having to be liked by everyone at all times, because when, when that's your goal, you try and please everyone around you. And women are amazing chameleons. We are detail oriented. We pick up who's going to accept what and how to, how to dress for this and you know, what to wear here and, and how you know, I can be loud with this person, but I have to dim myself with this person. And we're constantly adjusting. You know, I, one of the, the first sentence that I wrote was women are conditioned to be the air and the water that sustains, but does not disrupt the people around. Mm. Oh, that is, that is perfect. So do everything, be everything we liked, but don't, don't disrupt. Don't upset anybody but serve everybody. And the number one message I hear with this book through strangers on Amazon and NetGalley to people who reach out to me on Instagram to uh, friends and family of mine is relief. Um, I am so sick of living this way. And when you talk about the courage and the bravery, my response is you have to be aware of the fact that just because something causes you temporary discomfort and causes other people to be uncomfortable doesn't mean you're doing the wrong thing. It means you're setting different rules. And so when people around you are uncomfortable, when people give you that look or that attitude of who do you think you are, you have to be rooted, which is why the book is constructed the way it's constructed. So you can piecemeal through it. You can do the work at the end of every chapter. And then there's a whole part two in uh, hold up before you go back out into the world that shaped you into this glass box. Um, here are the protective factors. Here are the ways you can protect yourself so that you can maintain the bravery and courage and continue this change. That's, that's huge that there are the actionable things at the end of the book. I can tell you that I am 100% guilty of reading the most amazing book. And then I will put it down 
and I will live that message for like two weeks. And then it's so easy to just fall back into the routine of where we are. And especially with something like this, where we're talking about very deep rooted conditioning. Mm -hmm. And I, when I read what you had said about being liked, that was the first time that I had really thought about it with that lens, because I've always thought about my acceptable behavior being rooted to being less than. Mm -hmm. And there's, you talk a lot about being less than, like, fuck being less than. And I realized that you're right. It is, it's not just about acceptance, because acceptance is one thing. Acceptance is just generally being acknowledged. But there is beyond that into the, I don't want to be just acknowledged. I want to be liked. But I think about even as teenage girls, what is front of mind for so many teenage girls going into middle school and high school? How do I become popular? How do I become liked? How do I become that girl? And that becomes the focus where we will twist ourselves into pretzels at a very young age in order to have as many people like us as humanly possible. Mm -hmm. So we're sent to conflicting messages, which one is you have to be as liked as you possibly can because that preserves your feelings. But at the same time, let's not acknowledge that you have those feelings, right? That sensitivity of, hey, what I'm feeling is fine. My personal philosophy is my feelings are my concern. How other people feel about my feelings are not my problem. Mm -hmm. I can't be concerned with how other people feel about my feelings. You talk about the glass box as sort of this space that we fit into. And the fact that it's glass, first of all, I think is incredibly relevant because there's several ways that we can break out of this. So in finding that courage and in taking some of those actionable steps, where do we begin? Where does this come from, from within us where we can get to the point where we can say, this is great. I agree with what you're saying, but the box is comfortable. Mm -hmm. And it's not that we like it. I hate the box. I hate being in a box. But I have in the work that I've done, and I'm with you on that, we are big into therapy over here. <laughs> we are steeped in it. We love it. I'm going right after this. But I, my tendency is to search for that comfort, not outside of myself and outside of the world that I've created, but within it. Mm -hmm. And so whether it is in our personal lives or in our professional lives, what are the steps that we take to start to find that voice, especially for women in their middle age who have been in that box for decades? Yeah, you know, and this is why I wrote the book, because so many uh, podcasts or self-help books or movies, I mean, they're constructed to make us feel good but don't get us anywhere. And it's a combination of, of, of therapy and inner work and then also action, right? And so to me, I find myself kind of hitting, hitting myself up against the wall of that glass box okay. where I want to do something and something stops me. I'm very in my body now. I'm very aware. Um, 
of when I want to move forward out of what is this glass box that's been constructed. And I stop and I say, nope, move forward. Um, whenever I'm halted, it's always someone else's story, right? Whenever I think I want to do this, but that but or that maybe or that no, you know, comes in to keep us in this box, you've got to be able to say no and move through it. And I think that so many of us um, don't do the pre-work, right? And so this is why I talk about in the book, where did that story come from? When we're young, you know, it's, it's an adaptive trait for little kids to look around. They don't know anything about the world, right? And so you look around and you're like, well, how's everybody else doing it? And what's rewarded and what's punished? And um, we gender children, you know, from, from birth now, but uh, then you hit your twenties or your thirties or your forties or your fifties and you go, oh shit, I've been looking to everyone else. I never really built my own life. And some of these beliefs about being a woman, I have to be chosen and I have to be small and I have to be all these things were probably given to me by someone who loves me very much. And it's really um, counterintuitive to say someone who loves me very much handed me their story or their fear or their experience because they thought it would help me. But this isn't true for me. Maybe it was and it's not anymore. Maybe it was never true for you. But you've got to be able to almost forgive that person who gave that to you and say, I love you very much. I'm going to go this in this direction, right? And then you get into the space where you're like, well, I know I don't believe that, but I don't know what I believe instead, right? Which is why I have that in the book. And let's talk about where these beliefs came from, which aren't true for you. And what's your rewrite? I mean, what, what do you believe? It's really forcing women to say, look, do the work. Don't overthink it. Don't go into the maybe or the hesitation or whatever. Just do it. Just write and write and write and do the work over and over again until you get there. This is not easy work. I say that in the book a hundred times. If you're not ready, put the book down. Um, this is no time to go running into dark caves and burning buildings. Um, but again, it's just doing it. It's just the action of dropping one fuck and focusing on one thing. Because when you can drop it and walk out into the world as someone who's more authentic to you, you're rewarded. It feels better. And that's the hook that changes behavior. Yep. You have to, what we, we say, you have to access reinforcement in right. order to continue a behavior. So you can say, I want to lose 10 pounds. I want to lose 10 pounds. I want to lose 10 pounds. You say, okay, well, start eating salad instead of pizza every day. Well, mm -hmm. you have to stop going, well, but I want the pizza. Okay, have the pizza, but you're not going to lose the 10 pounds. Everything mm -hmm. that we do every single day asks access to weigh risk and reward. And you have to look at yourself and say, I want to change, but I don't want it bad enough to change my behavior. Mm. Be honest with yourself. If you don't want it badly enough, then don't do it. Um, and I think that's where the being likes comes about, right? I want to change. I want to make this change. I know it's everything that I should have done for the last 10 years, but it will upset other people. Right. And I think that what you talk about in the workplace is very relevant to that as far as the narrative that we're sold. Because I think that for me at least, the narrative is where the most damage has been done. I mean, and talking about the narrative coming from the workplace because 
first of all, like that is tied to our well-being. Mm-hmm. So you have an entire, you know, section on fuck being dependent. Well, man, okay, so we're all trying to strive to be independent women. The biggest thing that is going to feed our independence, thank you, Virginia Woolf, for pointing it out, is having an income of our own so that we can create our own space. But then we're pushed into this world where now our financial independence is dependent on us fitting into a very male work environment. And some of the information that you put out there as far as different industries and the real data, I think that you had said in 2019, there were more male CEOs named John than there were female CEOs, period. That blew my mind. And that's mm-hmm. out, that's insane. And that's what we in the workplace look at is that's, that's the picture that we see. You talk a lot about how women are supposed to dress, how women mm-hmm. are supposed to act in the workplace. And so for that, I, I want to talk a little bit about how we call that out a little bit, because there's two parts to what we're talking about. First is us having our own ability to recognize where we give too many fucks and how to eliminate them. But there's also a matter of being vocal and standing up for ourselves and saying, this is not okay that you said that. This is not okay that you did that because that's taking a stand for ourselves. And there are so many examples in the book, namely the instance where your name was on the shirt for the conference you went to that was done without your permission that just made me see red that we have opportunities to not only stand up for ourselves, but to change the narrative that everyone's receiving. Mm -hmm. So how do we, how do we do that? What are the, what are the obstacles that you see for us that we need to eliminate in being able to be our own champions outside of our own thinking? I don't think it's talking. I think it's acting. Um, in that specific situation where I was on a leadership panel and, and um, my name was used on a shirt without my permission and they were making money off of my name, um, I wrote the, the president of the company. Um, and I said, look, this is a learning opportunity. This is a teaching opportunity. Um, I'd love to sit down and talk about this. Um, and I said in the book at the time of writing, it's been two years and I haven't heard back. Well, a couple months later, I did. Um, I heard from the president of the company who called me for something and I called it out. And I think that um, it's just being really direct um, and saying, you know, I don't think that it's not a woman's job to explain anything. Um, I voted with my feet. I don't work with that person anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. So when they come to me asking for things, I say, no, thanks. Um, and I do my own thing. And so when we come to the workplace and we we want to wear what we want to wear and we want to say, hey, I'm going to be leaving at four to spend more time with my kids. And here's my plan to make up that hour. Um, you know, it's just us doing it. I'm stop asking for permission. We don't need permission. And um, when you act instead of asking for permission and kind of backing up and looking around and making sure your choices for your own life are okay with everyone else first, it sends a signal that what you want for yourself is up for debate and is a choice that other people get to make. And it's not. 
And so when I show up to meetings now, like with my dogs and with my romper and, you know, I show up with myself, I'm giving myself permission and making a statement that says, this is me. Um, and if you choose not to work with me, that's fine. I'll go a different way. Um, and that's all right. I think we start to attract people that are naturally attracted to who we are and who want to work with us for our brains and not because we look a certain way. Um, you know, I, I can't even bear watching comments on LinkedIn anymore because it's just people saying the same thing over and over with no action. And in science, once you have the data, you move forward, you do something with it. And so we've got all this data and we know all these things about authenticity and there's all this research on when we put young women and young girls in these glass boxes and say, well, you're a girl, so, you know, you have to wear pink or, you know, whatever. You can't do this because you're a girl. It diminishes and severely affects mental and physical health and well-being. And me having a well-being company, I have all the research. So, right. you know, it's really less talking and, and more acting and walking into the world like this is who I am. And, and not needing permission from anybody else to show up as yourself. I think that's how things change because we, um, we change the rules through our action, not by asking questions. Because if we say, well, is it okay if I show up like this? Or what do we think about this? You know, we, we get answers um, that we don't, don't necessarily need and that we didn't necessarily ask for. Uh, I want to go back to what you were talking about with showing up as you are, because I loved when I was reading in the book that when you had talked about that, you just started showing up wearing whatever you wanted to wear. And I think the last one of the last fucks that we have to clear out to give in the book has a lot to do with our appearance mm -hmm. and be be sexy, but also be sweet. And that is such a mixed message that women are sent. And there is this massive double standard. And you talk about it in relation to, I mean, how many years did we see Mark Zuckerberg in the damn gray hoodie? <laughs> Every single damn time. Every yeah. single time. But nobody went ahead and pointed that out. Like people made fun of Hillary Clinton because of the pantsuit. But it didn't matter. Whatever she wore, it was going to be picked apart because, again, it goes back to the we have to be likable. We have to be um, digestible as women. Mm -hmm. And I had and I know if everybody listening to the podcast would be like, she's talking about the goddamn crop top again. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, I, I'm 48 years old. I am a mom. I had a big, fat baby. I got stretch marks. I don't care. I put on a crop top and went out into the world into public wearing my crop top and damn it, it was one of the most liberating things I have ever done in my life. Then I immediately went on Amazon and I bought like four more and <laughs> yeah. my, I'm having, I'm having, it's not hot girl summer. It's coastal grandma summer. So, <laughs> <laughs> I am living in all summer linen overalls with a crop top underneath. This is my uniform. This is what I'm doing to your point. It, I ordered three pairs of the same linen overalls. People just need to get used to them. And that's it because I just don't care. But there's so much around our bodies that we're told. And I think that is one of the most damaging things that happens to women is that our bodies are never okay. And so we learn to hate them. Mm -hmm. Well, and you know, if a woman who loves her body doesn't need 
bags and purses and filters and diets and all these things to fill that void, right? And so it flies in the face of um, of commercialism to to see a woman who's confident. And so when you look at magazines, it's like love yourself for who you are, but also buy all this stuff, right? I mean, one of the chapters is be fixed um, mentally and physically. We always treat women like they're the problem. Um, we, you know, with, if I see a fucking like female female leadership trainings, like what the fuck is that? Um, I think it immediately sends the message that the reason you're not in a leadership position is your problem. It's Mm. your fault. But once you learn these things, then you'll be a leader. And I've worked with these companies and it's like, okay, so once they go through the training, what promotions and roles are available for women? Oh, uh, we don't, uh, we don't know. Well, then what the fuck is the point of the training? Just to make women feel like they still need to be fixed and to point out all the things that they're doing wrong. Like, why don't we do male leadership trainings to teach them empathy and to not grandstand and be narcissist? I mean, that's really doing harm. And so when we look at this concept of fix the women um, and be sexy, but sweet, it's so distracting. I mean, now when I wake up, I don't care if I'm doing press or going to the grocery store or whatever. Um, people love the authenticity because it gives permission other people to do for other people to do the same and to show up as themselves. I have never since showing up as myself, I have never once incurred a situation where that was a problem. I have only incurred neutral situations where nobody noticed and nobody cared, or I received compliments because I looked different than everybody else. And I am different than everyone else. I wasn't built to be like everyone else and that's okay. Now it's my differentiator. Um, and I get to write a book called Fuckless and put that out into the world. And so, you know, I think we really rob women um, and men, to be honest, um, when we tell them that we have to dress a certain way. And, you know, we go, we go to college, we grow up, we travel, we meet new people, we become our own unique beings, but then the world tells us that we have to act like everyone else. And to me, that's such a, it's such a bore. It's such a, it's such a shame. I agree with you 100%. And it is, it has taken me many decades to get into that space because I, like you, your story that you tell in the beginning of the book, just your history, I, in the first years of my life, created an entire persona. And I have started to talk about it in terms of having fractured. So mm-hmm. I grew up feeling like I was obviously I was bullied as a, as a kid. Um, I was just awkward. I was a little bit shy back then. And I learned at a very young age that there were parts of me that were just never going to be accepted by society. Cause I was always a little bit of a weird kid. I was a daydreamer. I was very creative. I mean, I would sit in trees and read books. I mean, that's not just something that every average, you know, 10-year-old girl is going to be doing out there in the world. And so what I learned was that there were acceptable traits. There were things that I could be and things that I could do that would make me acceptable. And I feel like at some point I fractured into two people. Mm. And I learned that the part of me that had fractured off, that I had fabricated, that I had created, received all the love all the promotions, all the reinforcements and the praise. I mean, that person went and got married and had a kid and had a breakdown moment where I realized the life that I'm living, it makes me miserable because it's not my life. I'm not living 
me, which is hard to undo that. And even after having realized that, man, 15 years ago, I still put myself back in the glass box because when I started to break out of it and show up as who I was, the world wanted me back in that glass box, which was very painful. So now doing all sorts of things, I quit my corporate job in March to pursue my creative interests, my writing, this podcast, doing what I wanted to do, selling my house. I've just burned down everything in the last six months and it feels incredible. There have been times when it's been so scary, but I feel like I am sitting in the person who I am now. And I don't want anybody to fix me because I don't need anybody to fix me. Mm -hmm. And I'm with you on the massive amount of literature and images that are still continuing to tell me that there is something wrong with me. If I see one more damn relationship article telling me that I will find that perfect man and that perfect partner and live happily ever after, as soon as I learn how to adapt myself to him, right? How do I show up for him to make him want me? Like 10 things I see, it's all over Instagram and it infuriates me. All of these relationship coaches, I use the air quotes, that are like 10 things to text him to make him want you right now. No, no, I don't, I'm not going to hold space for that. It's such a distraction when we're focused on being chosen and being sexy, but sweet and all that. It takes us away from our natural place in the world as creators and thinkers and doers and you know, I personally was raised the same way. You know, I was, a, I was a petite kid. I was cute. And everybody always really made a big deal about what I looked like. And, oh, you're so pretty. And so my value was very much in that. And my behavior trended in that direction for so long that um, now it's aversive. Um, when, you know, I had a guy the other day um, who I, you know, had been on some dates with was saying all these really nice things about my, how I was appearing, right? And it almost made me sick because I thought, you know, if you really wanted to impress me, you talk to me about my work. You talk mm -hmm. to me about, you'd ask me about the book. You'd say, hey, I listened to that podcast that you did or that interview with, you know, Bloomberg Business Week or, you know, Business News, whatever. Um, that's how I value myself now. And so that's the value that I hold. Um, and that's the standard that I have for dating. I'm 40 years old as of a couple of weeks ago. I live Happy with birthday. My, thank you. I live with my rescue dog. I just bought a 1930s cottage by the water. I just redid my meditation space and fire pit in the backyard. I'm growing magnolia trees. Like this is the world that I want to, that I want to live in. And if a partner is going to come in or if clients are going to come in, they've got to love and appreciate that and want more of that because that's what I have to give. And so I just think that when we stop looking to everyone else about how we should be um, and live from within, I think that's so, I mean, that's what the book is about, like wild unencumbered freedom, the tagline, right? You're just like, ah, like, woo, like you open your arms, you take up space, you breathe. It's this like, Nobody gets to the end of their lives and gets a medal for doing it everyone else's way. 
Great. Congratulations. You lived for yep. everyone else. Here's your medal. You guys ended your life and you are filled with regret and no one gives a fuck how you lived your life. And all that you are left with is that regret. And, and there's nobody else there to pat you on the back, right? And so that's my fear that I wanted to alleviate from everyone as much as I possibly could with this book is knowing that our time here is limited. If we don't make these changes now and learn to live from our inside out, when will we do that? Um, and if we can just do a little bit at a time and focus on how good that feels, and it is a process, um, we will look back on our lives and say, yeah, I was born this fearless person. I shoved myself into these glass boxes for a couple of decades and now I'm out and it's so much better. Like that is addicting. Yeah. That is the addiction I want to see. Not people overeating, over drinking, social media, all that bullshit, all the distraction. It's like, let's focus on me. Who am I? Like who, what am I bringing to the world today? Like that's the most amazing gift that we can give ourselves. Absolutely. And I love showing up for people that are coming into that space. When I see other people that are starting out on that journey, and I had in one of my first podcasts, I had talked about with this move downtown, I sold my 1800 square foot house in suburbia, I moved smack dab into the middle of downtown Phoenix, I am in 800 square feet right now, I am an urban dweller, it is so incredible and so much fun, and one of the first things that I did for my new apartment, I bought a pink velvet couch. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it is salmon pink velvet couch. I am so excited about this because it was one of those things like I felt like I had to have what I call the oatmeal couch. Right. right? Like why? And then and the comments that I got from people, like there were a couple people that were like, one person's like, Well, I guess you just want to be single for the rest of your life. I'm like, Oh like, god. If seriously, if I am dating a man and he does not come into my apartment immediately, see that couch and say, That tracks absolutely with who you are. And I'm here for it. Let's Netflix some movies and sit on the pink couch. Because, I mean, they're not going to come in here, sit on the couch and grow ovaries or something if they <laughs> sit on the couch. It's not dangerous to them. But that was, for me, like the starting point of getting out of my gla glass box. That yeah. was it. That was the pivotal moment for me that was like, I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks about this pink couch. I love it. And it snowballs from there. What you yeah. say about it being addicting is it absolutely is because I think that as we start to come out, we get that little bit of sense of safety. Like the world is not going to end. When I went out in the crop top, nobody, it was not like Carrie, right? Like people were not pointing and laughing at me. Nobody it was fine. I got compliments. Right. And then when I told people the story of doing it, then they were like, oh, well, maybe I can wear a crop. Well, yes, you could wear whatever the hell you feel like. If you want to go out in a hefty sack, because that's your expression, do it. No one cares. Have fun. And, but, and that's like, that's why I would not change the title. There is yes. no other word for that feeling, but fuckless. I don't yeah. give a fuck. And it's not... I mean, it can be angry and aggressive if you want it to be, but it's mostly just like wild and free and like, I don't give a fuck. And you're so rooted in that crop top and in that sofa moment where you're like, you feel it. And that's exactly, yes. that's exactly the title story. 
Yeah. And it's perfect and it fits so incredibly. And I think that I hope that this gets out into the hands of every single woman that needs to see this. And I also, I don't think that it's just something that women should read. I think that if there are men who really care about being an ally and sort of changing things from within, because I firmly believe that the patriarchy is not just smashed by women. We need the help from men because if you know that's the call coming from inside the house is what I call it is when men start calling out some bullshit and when men start breaking down what they are saying to women in ways that are detrimental to us. Cause I think that men are just doing what they've seen. Like they, so many men say things and they have no idea, which is when there's data in the book and there's actual real life information that quantifies everything that I've been saying. I'm like, well, praise Jesus for this woman and her work. <laughs> because this is not just in my head. Like this is something in real that exists. Well, I'll tell you, um, I have had an overwhelmingly positive response from men. And I would say at least as far as, you know, text, phone calls, emails, comments, website forms, um, LinkedIn, you know, all of that people commenting on my announcements and me selling the book, I'd say about 30 to 40% of those people are men. Um, when I announced that the book was going to be released in May, I got several emails from male dominated companies, firemen, policemen saying, where can we bulk order this book? Beautiful. And I thought if people, if men resonate so much with this message that they're going to buy a book called fuckless with like pink flames and a woman on the cover they're ready to drop some fucks too and i say this mm -hmm. in the book that this work takes all of us i don't think there's anyone in the world who doesn't have a fuck to drop that is killing them and is limiting them and is contributing to depression and anxiety because i'm not this thing but i have to be this thing no, you don't. The only thing you have to be is yourself. Um, and, and it's so healthy for us. I don't think in terms of good and bad, I think it's a lot of my like Buddhist and like meditation training. I think in terms of effective and ineffective and healthy and unhealthy. Um, and so if we can all continue to do this work with ourselves, we will recognize when other people are trying to do it. And if we've been exposed to those feelings in that work and we see someone in a crop top showing up as themselves or having a pink sofa, we can say, good for you. That's fucking awesome. Instead of feeling like, well, you don't play by the rules and I do. And now you're a threat. I don't like how you make me feel by showing up as yourself. That's what all this is about, right? People say, but I won't be liked or, but I'll get in trouble. It's like, but the people that are going to make you feel that way really just, they want the same thing for themselves. They're just kind of pissed that you're not living by the rules anymore and they have to, but they don't have to either, right? And so be prepared for people to be really uncomfortable with your changes and it's okay. It doesn't mean that you're wrong. Um, it Again, women be liked, right? It's like, if you're making people uncomfortable, you're doing something wrong. Fucking false, like untrue. Um, it means that you're changing the rules. We've changed the rules on men and they are not prepared to catch up and a lot of them are really trying. And that's something that was very unexpected that I've learned from, from putting the book out there. Oh, it's beautiful. I thank you so much for the work that you did with this. It's incredible. I love the, everything that you're doing, just showing up as you are. It is 
an inspiration. It's brave. It's courageous. It is carving a wide swath path of just fire and fierceness. And it's so much of what this world needs. And I am so grateful for you giving me your time this morning. And to the listeners, we are going to link to everything in the show notes so that everybody can find this. Um, I, I want to do a book club, whether it's with the folks that are patrons of the podcast or even just all of my great girlfriends that I, I just I want to talk about this book for ages. So I'm so thankful that I found it and that you were here with me today. Thank you so much for having me. And it is the it's been the honor of my lifetime to write this book. And I love how people are coming together and gathering around it. I, I it was just so unexpected. And so thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us today. New episodes launch every Monday, so I hope you'll be back. If you enjoyed this podcast, there's several ways to show your support. First, by rating the podcast and leaving a review, you help others to find great content. Second, if you're looking for further connection, consider becoming a patron of the podcast, where you'll have a fun and interesting way to connect with others and even get more information on perspectives and things you may not have considered. Lastly, please share this podcast with a friend. The number one way that podcasts reach more people is through sharing and word of mouth. I appreciate you and your beautiful open mind. See you soon.